Hello and welcome to Eldritch Girl Weird Gothic Stuff and Nonsense with me, C.M. Rosens. The theme tune is by Gemma Cartmill. The illustrations in the books are by Tom Brown. You can buy the books either direct from me from my Kofi shop uh, or you can buy them from any ebook online retailer and the paperback currently from Amazon only. If you do want to buy me a coffee instead of buying the book, you can do that via my Kofi, which is www.kofi.com, so that's ko-fi.com forward slash cmrosens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Content warnings for Chapter 7, um, Historic Animal Abuse. That's quite a big one that's coming up in a story that Mercy is going to tell, obviously, about Ricky. I think Ricky just needs his own content warning, really. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, just that's that's quite a graphic one, so just beware of that. Chapter 7. Real After All, in which Mercy shares a secret. 20th of April. Night. What a night! Carrie mutely concurred. Once they had located duct tape and flattened a few boxes to fill the window gap, Mercy had eventually got Carrie nestled on her sofa, staring into her mug. The manifestation had blended back into the fabric of the house, which was disconcerting. Mercy had been rearranging the rest of her furniture and unpacking forgotten boxes, anything to avoid sitting in silence. She had dug out a rug from the old flat, spreading it out in front of the hearth. Her newest discovery, a beanbag Carrie had forgotten all about, was plumped beside the fireplace. So let me see if I've got this, Carrie said, putting her hot mug down on the floor. Mercy dived for the newly unearthed stack of coasters as the floorboard complained. Pagamon Sea is, she paused, not your average town. In fairness, I think I got that. I just didn't know how odd it was. Mercy retreated to her seat, smoothing the pink streaks in her hair. Yeah. I'm guessing there's lots of things I probably shouldn't do. Mercy pursed her lips. Hmm, a few. What about wishing wells? Don't use them? Too late for that, Carrie sat back. This is completely insane. Ricky Porter told you to, didn't he? Carrie nodded, her side of the story already told. Mercy shook her head, not meeting her gaze. Can I tell you a story about Ricky Porter? Sure. She wanted to know who she was living next door to. Mercy twiddled a strand of pastel purple hair. My friend Tina used to play with his cousin Wes when they were like six. Wes was pretty fond of Tina. They were down on the beach one day and Ricky wanted to play with them, you know, but even then he was weird, like weirder than, I don't know. Anyway, Tina had a puppy, you know what Ricky did? Carrie pulled a cushion onto her lap and hugged it. It's going to be grim, isn't it? Ripped it open with a pocket knife to read its entrails before anyone could stop him. You know why? Carrie shook her head, numb. Mercy studied her pink pumps, mud splattered and scuffed. He wanted to know if they'd be friends. Apparently, Liver said no. No shit. 
Carrie thought of Ricky's shifty eyes, his full lips parted and sad. He hadn't been faking that, but Mercy... Mercy had been hiding a lot of things from the moment they met. Carrie tried to concentrate. I'm guessing he doesn't have many friends. Mercy wrinkled her nose. Not really. Carrie blew out a slow breath. So there are soothsayers, werewolves, wishing wells that work, houses that... She stopped. Mercy was looking anywhere but at her face. She narrowed her eyes. What are you? Mercy's shoulders squared, but her voice rose an octave. First of all, that's not something you'd come out and ask. Even I don't come out and ask stuff like that. You work it out from context, like the street they live on, their name, or physical characteristics, hobbies, interests, social circles, that kind of thing. She glanced through the open door into the passage and lowered her voice. I didn't even tell Jazz outright for about three months and he saw me get off an autopsy table. Carrie froze. It's not like that. Mercy nibbled her thumbnail. But you're not... you're not human either? Mercy sighed. She opened her dressing gown and lifted the bottom of her pyjama top to reveal a rosy birthmark above her hip. It looked like a number in a rough port wine-coloured splodge, like a child's clumsy crayon writing. We... we're called a lot of things, Mercy said quietly. We're all born with one of these. A number? Mercy dropped her top. It's... it's how many years we have before we die. She swallowed. And until those years are up, we... can't. Can't... die? Carrie couldn't quite take this in. You just... what, you're indestructible like the Terminator? Mercy snorted. No, I wish. I got hit by a car the other week. The bruises. Carrie remembered her on the first day they met, how her face had healed under the makeup, how she'd stopped limping. Carrie had almost convinced herself she'd made it up. The day I started work. Mercy blinked. Yeah, could have been. I was running late, anniversary of Granny Hillsworth's death, my dad's mum. I drive him to the cemetery every year. I dropped him home, couldn't find anywhere to park, legged it across the road without looking. She trailed off and frowned. Driver didn't even stop. Imagine if he had killed me permanently. Bastard. Carrie leaned forward, staring at her. So you just wake up, do you? Yeah, eventually. It's hard to heal from really bad stuff, so I have to be careful. Broken bones are fine, internal bleeding, that's okay. Werewolf bites, Mercy winced, not okay. We can't turn, but we also can't die. But we also can't heal because of the enzymes in the saliva. So, she winced, and don't get me started on zombies. Through the broken window and strips of gaffer tape, they heard a car crunching up the gravel. Mercy sighed with relief. Good, Jazz is back. Carrie's brow creased. What, what's your number? Mercy inhaled slowly, stretching back in the chair. Ninety-two. She saw the relief relaxing Carrie's face and it made her smile. Yeah, I know, I've got a good one. Grans was 32. Dad came home and found her dead in the chair one day. It was such a shock because she was the kind of old-fashioned resurrectionist who didn't ever share her number with anyone. Only God knows the numbers of our days, she'd say. She didn't leave a letter or a note or anything, which was a bit cold. Dad was only a little kid. He found her. 
She nodded down to her lap. It's not like you'd think being different. I don't want to be different, Carrie thought. I don't think I ever wanted that. Jazz knocked on the front door before entering, his footsteps echoing through the hallway. Only me, he called unnecessarily. Living room, Mercy jumped up. He stuck his tussled head around the door. Hey, babe, all sorted. Sorry it took so long, had to give the alphas a bell and let them know. The Wades were really pissed off. His frown lines deepened. All all right here? I think so. Mercy crossed the room to wrap him in a tight hug, burying her face in his skinny chest. I told her everything. Jazz nodded at Carrie over Mercy's head. Sorry about all this. My first day here wasn't much better, although I am on the cutting edge, so to speak. He cleared his throat. The crows creaked around them, boards bowing imperceptibly above and below. Mercy squeaked, huddling on the beanbag, but Carrie didn't react. She barely heard the creak over the voices. They were starting up again, familiar as her own thoughts, but this time she knew they weren't. Can you guys stay tonight? she asked. I don't... I don't want to be alone, and I know it's weird, but I don't want to leave the house either. I feel like we've both been through enough for one night. She shivered. Mercy nodded. This beanbag is pretty comfy. There's, there's, um, there's an airbed, Carrie said, trying to concentrate. Fairwood was whispering, whispering inside her head. She couldn't hear the words, if there were words. There were layers to the whispers, layers on layers, room upon room, in concert with each other, all whispering, whispering. Mercy hurried after her. Everything will seem so much better in the morning. That was usually true, but Carrie suspected it would take more than a good night's sleep to make this all right. She had a dreadful idea, currently buried under layers of denial, but slowly burrowing up to the surface, that nothing was going to be all right again. She caught a glimpse of herself in the bathroom mirror before she stumbled into her room and hit the mattress. The woman in the mirror, with toothpaste around her mouth, was bedsheet white, except for the blotches of nettle rash and tired purple saddlebags under her eyes. A few silvery threads glistened in the messy ponytail. The white peppermint foam made her look rabid, a zombie shell of her old self, clawing its way into a life it didn't understand. Mercy tucked Carrie in with maternal concern, and Carrie had to remind herself that they had only known each other a week. She was too tired to think it was creepy. That's a cute music box, Mercy whispered, leaning over Carrie's bedside table and turning something over in her hands. It's really pretty. What music box? Carrie mumbled into her pillow. The one I found in the attics. It's she went down downstairs. Mercy put the box back on the dressing table. It gave a soft twang. You know what? Mercy whispered. I'm putting that in the cupboard for now. Knock yourself out. Carrie was too exhausted to care. Night. She turned over, cuddling her spare pillow and sunk into deep, soothing sleep. He whirled around the coal cellar in a silent, triumphant waltz, Gerald flapping over his shoulder in a fireman's lift, appendages flopping, antlers shivering. An eyeball popped out, dangling on the skull by the optic nerve and a shred of duct tape. They spun around no particular beat, Ricky's insides squirming with anticipation. She was nice. The thought came out of nowhere, 
It stopped him dead. Gerald slid off his shoulder and crumpled into a limp heap on the floor. Must be one of your thoughts, he decided finally, running a hand over his shaven head, unsure. She was all right, as they go. He didn't hold with being regular. Regularity was petty and mean, small and powerless. He couldn't imagine going through life ignorant of the intricacies of the weird, blind to the woven threads of fate glistening within the constellations of arcane knowledge. He giggled to himself. She won't be regular much longer, Gerald, he whispered, bending low to the balding fox ear glued to the deer skull. Gerald listened to all his secrets, but never told Ricky any of its own. I'll get you fresh kidneys, how about that? I'll plump you back up again. Looking thin and poor you are. The skull lay at an awkward angle, uppermost cornflower blue eye gloopy with decay. Ricky had managed to make eyeballs last a good few months, but these were at their limit. Stay there, he told the pile of parts, still giggling to himself. I'll be off to my bed. Gerald didn't move, a hulking, shapeless heap. Ricky closed up the trapdoor after himself and trudged upstairs to his own room, filling his lungs with fungal moistness. The wrought iron bed frame of his childhood bed was a fraction too short even for him, and after stripping off at the door, rubbing his flat, muscular belly as something rippled inside, he assumed his usual fetal position on the stained mattress. Lying in the dark, with his head pillowed in the crook of his own arm, a thin brown blanket only half his length pulled over his naked skin, he listened. His own breathing filled the room. There was a suck of skin as his other lips parted, mucus slick, the scratching quest of his air roots as they coiled up from inside him, squeezing their way along his spine and twanging his esophagus on their way out. The mattress behind his head felt spongy, tasted sour under the tongue-like lengths as they spread out behind him, seeking protein. Feed, it won't be long now. The changes will be done soon. That thought was certainly his own. Moths were chalky, woodlice bitter. His other tongue tickled, maddening. He raked it with his teeth, tasting five or six parts of the room at once. From downstairs there came a muffled scrabbling. Ricky froze, tendrils in mid-coil and spreading out over the bulging damp of the wall. He scrunched the edge of the ragged blanket into his hand. The scrabbling came again, a muffled squeak, a small crunch of bone on bone. Ricky's chest hollowed. Gerald never moved for him. Perhaps it wasn't Gerald, he consoled himself, aware it had been a long time since he last minded Gerald's determined inanimation. Just an owl. Ricky remained in his fetal curl, mechanically comfort-eating his way through the fat, dark moths in his dank bedroom until his aching belly stabbed at him to stop, their dusty wing scales waltzing through his intestines, sour-sharp as broken glass. Well, that's the end of part one of The Crows. Um, and we're moving into part two. 
I'd love to know what you thought of part one. Um, so there are seven chapters. Uh, obviously, chapter six was split into two. So the eight episodes that you've you've heard, I'd be really interested to know um, what you're thinking of them so far. Um, I'd love to know what you think about Ricky and Carrie and the house. Um, yeah, where do you think it's going? Um, I mean, I've I've told you, I've told you where it's going in chapter one. I told you exactly where it was going. Um, do I mean it? Uh, let's find out. Um, yeah, so I'd be interested to see your thoughts. So if you um, contact me on Twitter or Instagram, um, if you use the hashtag the crows. Um, we can have a discussion there that way. Um, you can also ask me questions on Goodreads. I'm a verified Goodreads author. Yeah, but it'd be really interesting to, to hear from you and hear what you want, you know, your thoughts on the part one of the novel. Um, and no spoilers if you can. Um, I don't know how to do like a spoiler free zone or like, um, yeah, but I'd just be I'd just be really interested to know um, if there's anything you want to ask or um, what your predictions are or what your thoughts are so far. So, yeah, sorry about this uh, little ramble at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, uh, I'd like to get in touch with like the three of you that are listening. <laughs> just, just like talk to me. <laughs> so I'm not just talking to myself. Um, yeah, I really hope you're enjoying it. Um, have a great week um, and uh, yeah, see you next time.